everyone, and welcome to the Go Global podcast series, the show that addresses the importance of think globally and act locally. I'm your host, Ellen Wang from Leeds University Business School. Today, I have invited Nishan, who's one of our alumni, graduated from Executive MBA in 2014. And he's also going to be the last guest for this podcast series to discuss the topic of globalization. So Nishan is a proud Lee's graduate and is full of a positive energy and he regards himself as a strategist, a marketeer, entrepreneur, cyclist and a runner. So over the next 30 minutes or so I'm very excited to learn about Nishan's journey and what he thinks about globalization. So hi Nishan, welcome to the show and thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you Ellen, my pleasure. Great. So just let me ask you where are you tuning in today please? Uh, Yeah, so I am uh, currently based in Phoenix, Arizona, in the west coast of the U.S., or towards the west coast of the U.S., Uh, yeah, um, so it's 6 a.m. on my end. What a nice place to chew in from. I understand Phoenix is known for its year-round sun and warm temperature. I think you actually brought us some sunshine through some <laughs> virtual wave today as well, because it's absolutely lovely today outside in Leeds as well. Yeah, it's certainly very contrasting to Leeds. When when I moved here from Leeds, uh, I said it's literally the opposite of Leeds in the way that it's it's uh, it's a desert, so it's not green. It's always sunny. It never rains and it's hot. Uh, so yeah, quite the opposite of Leeds. Right. Well, at least you brought us some sunshine today, so it's uh, it feels like we're almost in the same place. Um, awesome. I think. A really good place to start today, um, Nishang, is if you can tell us a little bit about yourself, please. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so, um, as I mentioned, uh, I am based out of Phoenix, Arizona. I'm not obviously native to here. I moved to the US approximately four years ago. Um, and um, my current role is uh, that in the transformation and innovation practice of Salesforce. Uh, where I'm a senior director, kind of leading the some of the large-scale transformation. Many many of them are global in nature. Uh, so, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, previous to this, as Ellen you mentioned, uh, I'm a I'm a proud graduate from uh, from Lubs. Uh, had a great time there, uh, and I've spent most of my adult life in the UK. Uh, but I was uh, born and and I spent my early years in in India, in the north of India, in Bihar. Great. Um, so just let me digging in a little bit more. I'm really interested to learn about your journey, how you've started in India, then came to the UK, spent most of your adult uh, in the UK, and then now work in the US, please. Yeah, certainly. So um, as I mentioned, I was born in India, in the northeast of India, a state called Bihar. Uh, shout out to any of your uh, uh, podcast listeners who might be from India or that, uh, that area. Um, uh, and I, I, so I spent um, uh, uh, most of my younger years there. Uh, I moved to New Delhi uh, for my uh, uh, college uh, studies uh, and I did my diploma in New Delhi. Uh, so I have fond memories there. And then from, from New Delhi, I transitioned. I, I moved to the UK uh, to complete my engineering degree at the University of Derby. Um, following which I had my first graduate job, which was in Leeds. So then I moved to Leeds uh, and I never left by the sounds of it. Uh, uh, it's such a beautiful city. Uh, and um, I, I, I had many of my uh, um, uh, other 
uh, uh, roles after my graduation there. Uh, I then had the opportunity of doing my executive MBA from Leeds. Um, and again, as, I, as you mentioned, I spent most of my adult life there. And then I moved to the US uh, approximately uh, four years ago. Uh, uh, at the time I was working at Accenture in London, I was commuting back and forth between Leeds and London. So I did Monday to Thursday in London, Friday to Sunday in Leeds. And I did that for, for some time. And then this new opportunity came up to move to the US. And, uh, uh, and here I am uh, uh, based out of the US as, as things stand now. Uh, and uh, enjoying the virtual way of working. It almost doesn't matter now, right, Alan? It doesn't matter where you are. As long as you have a Zoom connection and some decent lighting, uh, you can kind of get away with anything, it seems. Absolutely. And some vitamin D. Well needed yeah. sunshine too. <laughs> um, so thank you for sharing your journey. That was a really interesting follow your your steps from, you know, India, then to UK, and now you work in the US. So I wanted to know as someone who's been in the international business for so many years, what are your thoughts on the term of globalization, please? How does that how does the term resonate with you? Yeah, certainly. And, um, and to your, let me just double click on what you just said, uh, spending time in international business. Uh, I haven't worked in a non-international business ever, like ever since graduation. Every company I've worked for has had international presence, some more than others. So, um, um, and international, multinational, global, obviously different var variations of that. Um, but uh, and and tr exposure to uh, pretty much uh, like all all the three main continents Asia, Europe and 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 North America. Uh, <clears throat> to your question about uh, globalization, I think um, that's something that we studied when I was at uh, at Executive MBA. Uh, we talked uh, 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 about that and debated hotly about globalization versus globalization and and is globalization really a uh, uh, is a variation of that or is it of true value add to the organization? And I'll be honest with you, Ellen, my views have changed on localization over the past few years. And I have a newfound appreciation of that. Companies of, of a certain size, and it, it's not even a function of size, but most organizations, they do have an, uh, a, a, an opportunity or a, a, an angle to globalization, whether they are selling there or they are operating or they are sourcing materials from other geographies and so on and so forth. And I think that's, that's extremely important. Um, and the, the, the localization part in that, in that term, uh, I think is super critical and more critical than ever before. We all want as consumers, as customers, whether you're B2B or B2C, you want to have a local experience. My customers in Hong Kong want a local experience. My customers in Munich, uh, to my customers in New York, they want a local experience there. But at the same time, organizations of all sorts, uh, they need to scale and they need to drive synergies and, and productivity and, and standardization, which is in many cases a function of globalizing their operation. And I think that's super important for competitive differentiation, uh, uh, but at the same time, not going too far and making everything look the same, which is almost impossible to do that, yet companies pursue that. Um, uh, but going after it uh, in the way that you, you optimize and globalize whatever you can, 
but you marry it with your local presence because at the end of the day, you're operating in the context of your local uh, business. So that's kind of how I look at it. I welcome any other follow-ups you might have. Great. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, I, I love the idea you said your, your view has actually changed. And I think my follow-up question is you talked about the balance really is about, you know, it's important to have the standardization. It's, it's to have the global strategy, but at the same time, you have to serve your local customers. So therefore, um, you know, people would love that local experience. So my question really is being the strategist that you are uh, and working for a global uh, firm so companies so throughout all your um, professional life um, how do businesses balance that between the global and local strategy from a from a business perspective yeah and and that's a great question and it's often very tricky to do that like it's extremely difficult to do that um uh, driving alignment and consensus in a in one geography is different. Try and do it across multiple geographies, and it's a nightmare. Um, um, and I'm speaking really from my own practical experience here. But um, I think that's definitely the route that I see most organizations that I have interactions with, and especially now in consulting uh, with a wide range of organizations. Um, everyone's pursuing that, and digital is just uh, and digital transformation is just accelerated. Uh, that that movement towards uh, towards globalization wherever it makes sense. Like I said, it almost doesn't matter where I'm located. Uh, I could be selling stuff in Leeds on a uh, on a Google shop or a Facebook shop, and and that's totally acceptable. I don't have to be in Leeds or the UK uh, to to do that. So I certainly think that's that's extremely important for organizations to pursue that um, and. Oftentimes, the miss I've seen uh, here, Ellen, is organizations don't really, or corporate offices and organizations don't really engage with the local um, uh, business units as much as they perhaps should be doing uh, to solicit inputs and insights so that uh, while the strategy is global, the, the execution of that strategy needs to be localized and you need to have, and the way I look at it is like an 80-20. So yes, 80%, you 70-30, you know, you standardize that and you say, okay, that's my strategy. That's my pricing strategy. That's my brand strategy. And these are the customers I'm going to go after and that's okay. But when, you, when you're executing that in different geographies, I think giving the, 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 the bandwidth for that 20-30% to tailor that to local needs is super crucial uh, in order for companies to be truly successful, uh, not just from a corporate office perspective where a strategy looks very pretty when it's global and it's standard. It's too, it, looks, it just looks nicer on, on, on slides. Uh, but uh, actually, in fact, when you try and execute on that, uh, it's, it's messy because such is life, uh, such is the business environment. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point that you've raised there. So just given the global pandemic has changed the way we work, um, changed the way we think, pretty much changed the way that everything runs <laughs> over the past year. How did you see your work has changed or developed from the perspective of a digital transformation? Are there any significant trends that you can share with us, please? Yeah, uh, so I, I mentioned that I'm at, I work at Salesforce now. I joined Salesforce uh, back in October of last year. Um, I have never met my colleagues. Uh, I have never met any of my colleagues. Uh, I have 
Yeah, yet, yeah. And and by the looks of it, I don't think I'm going to meet them this year. It might be sometime next year, uh, which is interesting. I never thought that would happen, by the way. Like, I, I never thought I'd join a company virtually, interview virtually, and and then work virtually for almost half a year. Like, I never imagined that because I have never worked uh, remotely before. Um, uh, so speaking from my own experience, I think that's very... Uh, that's been a learning curve and actually it hasn't been too bad, to be honest. Saying that um, the expectation from my employer is also equally not that they need me to relocate. So I'm based in Phoenix, Arizona. For those of you who know, Salesforce is a tech company. They're based out of the Bay Area, like many other tech companies in San Francisco. <clears throat> there is no expectation. Like nobody really cares where I'm located uh, as long as I can operate at certain time zones. That's what matters. And now this creating a level of flexibility and opening a certain opening a bigger market for companies and recruiters that you can go after. You don't just need to look at folks who are based in San Francisco. You can look at the entire of the U.S. to see where people are located. And I, th I certainly think that's uh, uh, that's a change in the in the right direction and kind of opening things up. Um, at the same time, Ellen, it's not all um, it's not all rosy. Uh, it does we do have um uh, there are things that i would prefer not to have have to deal with so constantly working virtually is extremely difficult when you're working across continents across cultures across countries uh, my client today is a global client headquartered in in the netherlands and i think our my my life would be a lot easier if i could have just met my client shook hands maybe had a beer, gone out for dinner or something and, and engage with them at a personal level, build a rapport versus just trying to do this, what you and I are doing here, um, which it, it, you, you can't, you can't uh, uh, replicate the, the real life one-to-one -one interactions. And I certainly miss that. And, and my sense is, and, and it seems so is my company seems to be inclined towards that, is the future state is going to be a bit of a hybrid. I don't think we're going to go back to what we used to do for sure. I really hope we don't do that because that'd be a shame. Um, but at the same time, we're not going to be operating like we are now. We will have remote working aspects with the opportunities to have face-to-face -face interactions with, with, with clients, with colleagues. Uh, and our offices are certainly now being redesigned for that purposes. So instead of having offices for for me to go and sit in an office and work there, it's now more of an, uh, an environment for me to collaborate with my colleagues uh, on a time-to-time -time basis uh, and, and without creating the necessity for me to be in the office every day. Yeah, I think you've opened up a really interesting topic there, which is the future of work, right? And this is something that we've not really touched up until this episode, which is really interesting. It's about how teamwork has changed, how stakeholder relationships changed, how you manage your clients. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting times, I think, you know, things have changed. I absolutely agree with you. I think I'm a people person as well. I much prefer the in-person experience of one-to-one, -one, uh, you know, having dinner and talk things through the face-to-face -face interaction. But having said that, you know, the hybrid way perhaps is the way to go forward in the in the future, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's certainly my, uh, my read of the situation just now and, and many other folks as well. Uh, and, and you can see, right, Ellen, how that nicely dovetailed with the global conversation we are having here. Um, 
because now my colleagues don't have to be based in Phoenix, Arizona. They could be anywhere. I have colleagues based out of uh, like France and based out of Netherlands. I have colleagues in, and, and I don't just mean colleagues who I randomly meet maybe once or twice a month. No, no. These folks that I work closely with on a day-to-day -day basis and that's being enabled because it's kind of a level playing field now. As long as you have a Zoom connection, you're in the right time zone. It, it, it doesn't kind of matter where you are for now. Yeah, no, I think that's a really interesting perspective. I, I, I see what you mean, because now it is very much a fluid, isn't it? It's, um, it's about how we used to think was um, the set format of way of working, way of thinking. But in fact, you know, with the pandemic actually poses a new opportunity, a new way of working. And no one thought it was possible before. So, you know, I, I completely see where you're coming from in terms of having no base, but everywhere can be your base. Great. Okay. So you've shared a lot of insight from, you know, practitioner perspective, your own perspective. I'm just going to sort of uh, take you back to Leeds again for our yeah. students. Um, so most of our audience will be listening who are current students here. So I just wanted to ask a question in terms of, you know, giving the current challenges faced by our students and also there's a lack of international mobility due to the pandemic. What advice can you give to our students to be um, a global person or, you know, to be the person that you you are right now and have gone through the journey what do you think they can do yeah that's a great question Ellen. and i i think one of the one of my advice and which i uh, i often give people is um, network network and network and uh i i think that still stands true uh probably more so now because nobody's going to conferences and shaking hands with people everybody's virtual um, so uh, networking virtually uh, opens up, similar to what I was saying earlier, um, markets that are way bigger, like way bigger. You don't have to be in the same conference in the same city. You could be with wherever and network with people. And I think that's definitely one of the advice I would give. I, I would also encourage uh, people to... Um, to uh, to travel like I, I have I, I love traveling so this is me um, kind of uh, reflecting my own personal biases here uh, but I love to travel and I think it, it, things will get better things will open up and affording ourselves the luxury to travel is is a good thing that's helped me be a better leader I certainly think you have a newfound appreciation for different cultures um, and I would say that that's something that uh, I would, as an advice, I'd give people to, to travel, go and like go to places, just get a sense of cultures, understand the nuances, but why why a German person might say something that seems offensive, but it's not actually offensive. They that's just culturally aligned to be a bit more direct, and that's okay. And why somebody in India is gonna head that uh, not their head and say yes, but. They might actually do what you just asked them to do, but that's okay because they're culturally aligned not to say no to you, right? Um, uh, and I think that uh, comes from from working in business, but also through own personal experience as well. Um, so really, those uh, those two things I would say, Ellen, uh, networking uh, and continuing to expand your network, whether you use LinkedIn, whether you use virtual events, and now so many virtual events are open to everybody. Uh, just doing that. 
uh, and through the, uh, the 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 outline network at at, uh, at Leeds as well, of course. Uh, and the other one is uh, when when you're afforded the the opportunity, just go and travel, just go and see different cultures and experience different things. Yeah, absolutely. I I really love the idea that you shared in terms of networking and travel. But the point that you were making really there is to network with a purpose, a travel with a purpose. It isn't just about networking and travel, but with a purpose on top, then you 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 get something out of the the activity and the end, right? Absolutely. And Ellen, people are more than happy. I have found that they will if you have a very clear purpose and you're like hey i would like to meet connect with you to learn x or to know more about y and people are i don't know about you but i was uh, apprehensive about doing that personally uh, uh, but i did and it's it's actually been pretty good uh, generally people want to help and and if and form personal connections we all crave personal connection i certainly do uh, in this uh, pandemic world that we live in so yes I, I couldn't agree more with you on that great so now i've asked the what question i'm gonna just dig a little bit more in terms of asking the how question um so i just wanted to know you know have you got any tips to share with our students or our audience um, in terms of how could you do that? You know, we talked about networking or networking with a purpose. How would you send that first message for, you know, for that person to respond to you? Because I think, you know, we all come across some challenges in life where we send messages with a purpose, but you don't necessarily get the feedback or response, right? Have you got any advice on that? Yeah, certainly. <laughs> I'm smiling because they are. I do get uh, um, people try to network with me as well, and if they do it in a way that doesn't resonate with me, uh, I have so many responses that I still need to respond to people on LinkedIn because that I was like, okay, it's too long. I'm. I don't have time for that, and I don't mean in a bad way because we are all busy as well, right? Like we are all busy. Uh, in spite of uh, uh, the pandemic, we are busy and thankfully we have jobs and, and we are working in, in, in decent health and that's good. Um, uh, and I think in, in terms of the how, Ellen, I would say um, craft your message uh, in advance and have a strategy behind that. So, yes, be clear on your purpose, be brief, try and create a personal connection in your message if you can call out something that you may have seen. And I'm speaking very specific to LinkedIn now or or just online, because I guess we are all talking about online here. If you've seen that person write an article or post something about it, or or you know that person because Ellen or Nishan mentioned this person in, 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 in a conversation with you, uh, bring that personal connection. Say, oh, such and such person mentioned you. I'd love to learn more about something. Uh, I think doing these things uh, helps you cut through the noise uh, and perks the interest of the audience you're trying to network with. Uh, it's like marketing, right? It's, 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 to me, it's no different to marketing because marketing, you can spend millions of dollars, uh, pounds uh, doing stuff and it may result in no, uh, no decent outcome. Uh, alternatively, you can take a very targeted, strategic, segmented view of stuff and, and, and really craft your message and think through it and you'll have great results. Same thing applies here. Instead of marketing products or services, you're marketing yourself. 
I think this is um, this is an opportunity where I invite our audience to try maybe with Anishong by networking with him and add him on oh. LinkedIn <laughs> um, and see, you know, if those messages really resonate with you and if you feel like these messages are worth responding to because it is a good exercise, right? Yeah, and Ellen, it's also like uh, it's like applying for jobs, right? It's you 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 want to have a, a standard resume. But you're going to tailor that resume to that job, right? You're going to tailor it. You can't just have a standard resume for all kinds of jobs. It's just not going to work. You need to tailor the keywords and, 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 and sentences and maybe bold and use italics somewhere, you know, whatever formatting you do. And I think the same thing, again, applies here is tailoring your message uh, to the audience. And similar to, again, applying for a job, you don't just apply for one job and you might not get it. And you're like, oh, well, okay, well. I, I just wasted X number of years trying to do study something and get a job. It's not it, it doesn't work like that. You need to try and keep trying and and and, and it, it's almost a numbers game as well. So same thing applies in networking. If your first few few attempts does not yield the outcome you want, um, do something about it. Change your attack and but keep trying. Absolutely. I think today you've actually opened up more discussion topics to lay the really nice foundation for my next series uh, of the podcast, to be honest. Uh, you know, again, this is the this is the bit where we've not really touched upon in terms of the CVs and, you know, how you tailoring your message. I've received so many applications where you can tell that was a templated application from a previous ones, right? And it doesn't even change any words to the job that they're playing for, they're applying for. And that is one of my pet hate. Um, I'm sure that's everybody's pet hate, um, but people don't really realize that that personalized message is really important and to make that resonation with the person that you're writing to. So I think that's really key message. So thank you for sharing that with us. I think now we're coming to the end of the short, but you know, very insightful episode. I just wanted to say thank you so much, Nishan, for your time and the opportunity to share your journey and your insight with us. It would be so great to have you back sometime soon. I would love to, absolutely. And, and, and I mentioned to you, Ellen, like a few weeks ago, I love to partner with, uh, with the university. I have taken uh, so much from my experience and, and still continue to do so today and, and, and anything I can do in terms of contributing towards that, I'm always happy to do that. Thank you, Nishan. That's great to hear. To the audience who are listening today and wish to connect and perhaps continue the conversation with Nishan, then do feel free to contact him via LinkedIn. As I mentioned earlier, this is actually the last episode of the Go Global podcast series and I couldn't be happier to have Nishan to be my last guest. This is because both Nishan and myself graduated from executive MBA a few years apart. And this episode is not only just between a host and these alumnus, but also two peers as well. And I feel alumnus from EMBA program is a great way to conclude a podcast series. Over the past several weeks, I've had the pleasure to interview students and alumni across both undergraduate and postgraduate programs. I was so pleased to hear that all my guests spoke really highly about their Lee's experience and how business school helped them to achieve their potentials and inspire them to be business leaders in their own way. And I really hope this Go Global podcast series helped you, the listener, in some way. The past year has been challenging to us all, but I believe tough times do not last, but tough people do. 
And by developing a globalized mindset, you're able to see an opportunity in every corner. I wanted to take this opportunity to thank you all for listening. And remember, stay focused, stay curious, and think global.